You're listening to the Fortress Church Audio Podcast. We're a church all about loving God and loving people. Let's listen in to our lead pastor, Randy Garcia, from this past Sunday's message. So open up your Bibles and tune in. Today, we're going to get into part two of our series, Why? We're answering some tough questions. Last week, we talked about, Pastor Matt opened up this series by talking about, why bother to pray? Why should I pray when God already knows? Well, we learned some great lessons last week. We're going to learn some lessons this week. Today, our topic is, why is life not fair? Why is life not fair? Reminds me of the young man who had just graduated from college, and he was uh, at his first job interview. He was applying to be an accountant and uh, reaching the end of this job interview, the human resource person asked him, he says, "Uh, what starting salary were you thinking about? The young man replied, well, in the neighborhood of $100,000 a year, depending on the benefits package. Well, the interviewer said, well, what would you say to a package of five weeks vacation, full medical and dental company retirement fund up to 50% of your salary, executive share option scheme, profit-related pay, and a company car leased every two years? The young man sat up straight, wow, are you kidding The interviewer says, yes, I'm kidding, but you started this whole thing. (laughs) Well, maybe maybe he had to come to realize life is not fair, huh? Or maybe he thought life is not fair. Uh, Today, we're going to look at that topic. Why is life not fair? The Bible says, we're reading from Isaiah 55, verse number 9, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts. Then your thoughts, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Once again, I want to focus a little bit more on verse number 9 where the Bible says, That Lord God's ways are not like our ways, and God's thoughts are not like our thoughts. Are we in agreement with that? Father, thank you for the privilege we have to be in your presence. And now, Lord, as we get into the teaching of your word, we pray that indeed we would experience more of you. Help us with a greater understanding. We thank you for what you're going to take, what's going to take place in the next few minutes. As we hear the word of God, may you be glorified. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it happened about 35 years ago. I'm trying to think. Uh, I was uh, on a trip to San Marcos, Texas. I lived here, of course, in San Antonio, driving up. And uh, right about the New Braunfels area or so, I was uh, driving. It was the the sun was going down, uh, and I was enjoying the drive, and Right about that time, there was a car that was racing past me. I was in the left lane of I-35 going north. And on the right side, there was a car that just raced past me, probably going 85, 90 miles an hour. And I was going about 60. Came very close to hitting me. And and as soon as that happened, we we crossed over a bridge there. And there was a police officer, a a DPS, and and, uh, he saw what happened, turned on his, his lights, and Jumped on the road, <clears throat> so part of me says, okay, I better move over to the, to the slower side. I moved over from the left lane to the right lane, and sure enough, the police officer, <clears throat> DPS, just whizzed right p- past me in the left lane, 
going after the Catsack guy who was speeding. Well, about two miles up uh, I-35, I noticed that same DPS car was on the right shoulder stopped. And as I was still trucking along about 60 miles an hour, uh, I noticed that he came up behind me. He turned on his flashers and pulled me over and gave me a ticket for going 90 miles an hour. I'm thinking, whoa. I, I tried to explain to him, uh, uh, sir, that wasn't me. I, I almost got knocked over here. That was another car similar to mine, but that wasn't me. No, it was you. I, no, sir, it wasn't me. And no matter what I could say, because I knew it was the truth, I knew that I was not going that, that uh, you know, I, I, it hit me that life is not fair. I was stuck with uh, paying this, uh, this fee for speeding, uh, and uh, he said I was guilty. I know I wasn't guilty, but uh, there was nothing I could do about it. It was his word against my word. And so that was one of many lessons that I learned many years ago, that life is not fair. Today we're going to talk about this, this topic, why is life not fair? I, can, I believe we can all agree that life is not fair. So I don't think there's a, there's a discussion about is life fair? Is life, no, we all kind of believe or probably have seen that life is not fair. Maybe you have to deal with something that someone else doesn't have to deal with, or maybe the challenges that you've had to deal with are, are, are great, and maybe, you know, but in all, all of us have to deal with it in some way or another. You know, I just, uh, I envy those who, who can eat and eat and never gain weight, Okay. I mean, life's not fair because I just look at a cookie and I gain weight. You know, that's, and I think that's, life's not fair. It's just not fair, okay? But praise God anyway. So we're going to talk about that today. And um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at a story in Matthew chapter 20, beginning with verse number 1. And here, Jesus speaks of a parable. And he's, every time Jesus speaks of a parable, it's a story earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. So we're going to kind of look at that and kind of examine what heavenly meaning does this earthly story have. Let's learn from it. Matthew chapter 20 verse 1 says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. Now a denarius, let me stop this, this is pretty much, a denarius is, is a little bit, just slightly above the average pay wage that a certain individual would have. So today, I don't even know what the average day's pay wage is in America, but a denarius kind of is a symbol of just a little bit above that. You know, it was decent, okay? Verse 3, about 9 in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing, and he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. Verse 8, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came, and each received a denarius. Uh Uh-oh. Wait a minute. They're getting the same pay? They showed up to work at 5 p.m.? They're getting the same pay as those who showed up at 6 a.m.? So when they came, those came, verse 10, who were hired first, they expected to receive more. 
But each one of them also received a denarius. All of them got the same amount of pay. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us and have borne the burden of work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for me for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who is hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want to do with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Now, reread this parable and some of us will read that and pretty much say these words, life's not fair. That's not fair. Because you have some people working from 6 a.m., 9 a.m., and they work the entire day, and they get paid for the guy who shows up at 5 p.m. or at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. That's not fair. That's our natural reaction. Our natural reaction is that's not fair. But today I just want to share with you that life isn't fair. Our candidate doesn't always win. Our favorite sports team doesn't always get the championship trophy. Or perhaps we hear words that remind us in our everyday life that life is not fair. I don't want to be your friend anymore. You didn't make the team. You're not qualified for the job. I'm breaking up with you. Your dad and I are getting a divorce. I'm sorry, kids, but we don't have enough money for a Christmas tree this year. Thank you for your letter and your application, but we as a college have denied your request for admission. Life's not fair. I'm sorry, but your husband died upon impact. We did everything we could, but your mom just didn't make it. I'm sorry, but your health insurance benefits do not cover these bills. Or perhaps we even hear these words, um, the diagnosis is cancer. Life is hard. Life is not fair. Why? Can you, can you explain why? What does the Bible say? Because there are so many questions that we kind of have unanswered. Life isn't fair. And sometimes we have to deal with it, whether we like it or not. What does the Bible say? And I do believe as we go through scriptures that there are many, many reasons that we can learn from God why life isn't fair. I'd like to just suggest three of them here today. First of all, life isn't fair because God wants you to have more faith in him than on life. God wants you to have more faith in him than on life. See, the problem with us is we have way too much faith in life and not enough faith in God. Big difference. Let me read to you what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4 and 5. He says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So Paul says, Don't let your faith be in human wisdom. Let your faith reside in God's power. A great word of advice, a great principle. Don't rely on human wisdom, on life. Don't put your faith in human wisdom. Don't put your faith in life. Put your faith in God's power. 
but we still have a hard time dealing with it. Why in the world did 9-11 happen? 3,000 plus people die. That's not fair. Innocent people. Why did God allow this to happen? Did God drop the ball? Now it's difficult to explain why these things and why these tragedies do happen. Life hurts, but God heals. Sometimes sometimes God allows certain circumstances in in your life and mine to take place because... um, Because it's a test. Sometimes it's a test. And why does God oftentimes let a test to come our way? I believe one reason is because he wants your faith to increase. Our faith needs to increase in God and decrease in man or decrease in life. See, what happens so many times is um, is we get, uh, we, we don't have answers and we question God. Sometimes we blame God when life is not fair. People don't treat us the way we're, we need to be treated. And you know what so many people do? They get offended. They get offended because life isn't fair. Well, this person didn't do this. This person didn't say this. They didn't treat me right. And many people are so easily offended. By the way, if you know of anybody who's so easily offended, please uh, lead them to cleansing stream. It's a great ministry. We need the bait. Of, that is the bait of Satan. We've gone through these teachings. And so what is the bait of Satan when when people get offended? Let let me tell you what happens when people get offended. It's all across our nation right now. I have seen so many, lately, so many protests in our nation. They're protesting this. They're protesting that. They're protesting this other. Because they're, why? Because they're offended. Somebody offended me. This issue offends me. This other thing offends me. So let's get a group of people and let's protest because you know what? Life's not fair. So we're going to protest. Life's not fair. Yeah, life's not fair. Can we get over it? Life is not fair. It's not. It's not fair. And so many people, their faith is in life and not in God. Okay, if I disagree with something that someone says or something that someone does, if I disagree with the law of the land or some certain issue, okay, I, I can disagree, not a problem. But I don't have to be offended. I can say, okay, God, can you give me the grace to just to, to deal with it, Lord? And Lord, my faith is in you. When I see so much stuff going around me, that increases my faith in God. God, I need you all the more. God, I need you all the more. And, and, and you know, sometimes we're just, I, I'm, I'm just, I know that so many of us just cry out, life's not fair. Well, yes, but let's understand why life isn't fair. I do understand that life isn't fair. And things that you go through may be different than things that I've had to go through. Life isn't fair to anybody. But God oftentimes allows that so that our faith can increase in him. What does faith do? I put it in your notes. Faith gives you peace, that God is still in control. Faith gives you assurance that there is a purpose in this circumstance. And faith gives you hope that your eternity in heaven is still waiting for you. I love that. Faith gives you peace, assurance, and hope. And that's exactly what we need. That's what what we need. And that's what where we need to put our faith in God, not circumstances, not issues in this world, not life, but in God. 
And if we could just understand that, then we could handle this life is not fair issue so much better. Reminded of Nick Vucicek, and I'd probably mispronounce his last name. Now, he, here's a man, he was quoted as saying this, I had a wave of faith and peace wash over me after reading John 9 when speaking of the blind man so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Now, who is this guy, Nick, right here? In 1982, he was born with tetraamelia syndrome. It's a rare disorder when someone is born without arms and without legs. Now, if anybody could say life is not fair, couldn't it be this guy, Nick? I was born without, without arms. I was born without legs. So easy for him to have a negative attitude. But instead he says, you know what? I had a wave of faith and peace wash over me when reading John chapter 9, when speaking of the blind man, so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. What a great attitude. That God's work might be displayed. Was he bitter about that? He could have easily once again said, life's not fair. But you know what? He just gave it to God. He gave it to God. Number two, why isn't life fair? Life isn't fair because God wants you to have the mind of Christ. God wants you to have the mind of Christ. Let me read from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul says this, this is what we speak, not in words taught by not in, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that can come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness because, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Let me stop right there. What is he saying? He's saying the person who is walking in the Holy Spirit doesn't see things the same way the person who is outside of the walk of the Holy Spirit. When you're in the Lord, you see things so much differently. When you have the mind of Christ, you see things so much differently. Verse 15, the person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. But we have the mind of Christ. Is there anybody who wants the mind of Christ? to see things the way God does. Because when life isn't fair, you have one of two directions to go. We can have the mind of man, the ways of man, or the mind of God, the ways of God. To me, that's it's so important. You know, I ask the question as we go back to this parable in Matthew 20. Do you see this landowner who gave all these workers a denarius each? He gave them all the same pay, no matter how many hours in the day they work. It, some people will look at that, man, that... That landowner is stingy. But there's others who say he was generous. What is your perspective? Well, he was stingy. Why was he stingy? Because he paid this person the same as that person, and this person worked more hours. Or do you see that as generous? See, it's all a matter of perspective. And the lessons we learn here is can we see things through God's eyes? So let's do a contrast, a number of things. Left column, man's ways. Right column, God's ways. How is it different? First of all, man's ways are self-centered. It's all about me. I don't care what you paid him, but you need to give me what I deserve. It's all about me. Whereas those who have a God's ways mentality say, man, that's, that's great. You, you blessed him with the same amount of money? You're gen- that is absolutely fantastic. 
Man's ways deal with, are filled with complaints, where God's ways are filled with gratitude. When life doesn't go your way or things don't go according to the way you thought they were going to go, our number one thing we love to do is complain, complain, complain. We complain about everything. We complain about the weather. We complain about our, our nation. We complain about things at work. We, compl- we just complain, love to complain. That's the man, man's ways mentality. But God's, God's ways are filled with gratitude. Thank you, Lord. For example, that worker who showed up at 6 a.m. and worked the whole day and got one denarius, his attitude is thank you. Thank you, Mr. Landowner, because I've got a full day's wage. I've got a job. Thank you. Walks away, doesn't complain. Are you noticing a difference between man's ways and God's ways? Third, man's ways just has a bad attitude. Just, when those things happen, just, just a bad attitude. Whereas God's ways is, you know what, I've got a good attitude. I'm going to be positive about this. You know, God's in control. Next, you have man's ways, they love to play the comparison game. The comparison game. Well, wait a minute. You, get, you paid both of us the same amount of money, but I worked 10 hours and he worked two hours. Let me start off by saying, when you play the comparison game, you're never going to win. Let me give you an example of the comparison game. You know the story in Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal son? The, the son wanted his inheritance from dad, so he took his the money, the inheritance, went out and he blew it. You know the story. And then he finally, Scripture says, he comes to his senses and he comes back to the father. What does the father do? He embraces his son. He welcomes his son. He puts a robe on his back, a ring on his finger. He throws a big party. My sons, come home. But then the older brother, what does he do? He plays the comparison game. Am I right? Dad, wait a minute. I, I never left the house, and you're throwing him a party and not me? Dad, I've been faithful to you. I've been by your side all these years, and look what he did. He wasted all his money, and you're throwing him a party and not me? Are you getting the comparison game? Whenever you play the comparison game, you're not going to win, okay? And you just, once again, but that's man's ways. We start comparing. We start comparing ourselves to others. But God's ways is based on blessing. Thank you, Lord, that you've blessed me. Thank you, Lord, that I have your blessings. Are you noticing a difference of mentality? Next, we have man's ways is based on the merit system. God's ways is based on the love system. What do you mean by the merit system? Okay, God, I did this. Check. I did this for you, God. Check. And God, I did this for you. God, God, am I scoring brownie points with you today, God? That's the merit system. We try to score points with God. I, we're, we're trying to earn our way to God. Does God operate on the merit system or does he operate on the love system? What does God want? He wants a love relationship. Am I right? He wants a love relationship. You're not doing things as a checklist of merit to score points with God. No, you do that. You do things for God because you love him, because you have a relationship with him. Big difference. How about this one as a contrast? Man's ways have a sense of entitlement. I'm entitled to this. I'm entitled to this, that, and the other. I, I, you know, where did we get that? Well, I know we mentioned this a few weeks ago, but how about this 
everyone, everybody gets a trophy mentality. Everybody gets a trophy mentality. That's entitlement. And I understand why some sports things do that, but we don't want to get your feelings hurt. So we're going to give everybody a trophy. Yeah, they won the championship. They're the best team, but you're going to get a trophy because we, we want to encourage you. I, I do understand that. But what, what we're tr- pretty much telling this child is life has to be fair, okay? So in order for life to be fair, we're going to give you a trophy too. We're teaching them that life has to be fair. But we know the truth. Life is not fair. Life is not fair. Because later on, they're going to have to learn that lesson sometime or another that life is not fair. But some people have this sense of entitlement. I deserve this. I deserve this. I deserve more money than the guy who worked two hours because I worked eight hours. It's a sense of entitlement. God, you owe me. I've been serving you, God, you owe me. Is that the right attitude? No, it's not the right attitude. Some people have that, this sense of entitlement. Do we have any Spurs fans in the house? Do you think Mark Gasol and Mike Conley from the Memphis Grizzlies deserve a trophy for participating in the playoffs? Nah. Spurs beat them. How many of you vote not to give them a participation trophy, all right? All right, okay. <laughs> they didn't win, okay? Uh, just saying, okay, just, just saying. Another, another contrast, you have man's economy versus God's economy. Man's economy is based on, uh, what, what, it's stingy. You know, the man, uh, God's economy says, I'm generous. The landowner was generous. Now, why does God or the landowner give to this person and maybe not give as much to the other person? God is God. Let him do what he wants. God has his reasons. Sometimes we cause God, maybe we don't handle our finances right. Maybe we don't give to God. And because of that, God says, uh, well, I'll give to this other person because this other person, he, she invests in the kingdom of God. But this person... Well, sorry about that. You know, God has his reasons. I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm not God. All I know is God is God. And sometimes we want to compare and say, why didn't God give me this? Why didn't God bless me with this, that, or the other? Man's economy is so much different than God's economy. Here's another contrast. How about man's ways are based on karma. God's ways are based on sacrifice. Perhaps you're familiar with karma. That's a Buddhist, Hindu term, term that many people are, are talking about nowadays. It's this belief system that what goes around comes around. If something bad happens, it's because you deserved it. That's bad karma. If something good happens to you, that because you deserved it, because you've been good, that's good karma. But, you know, so in other words, if you, someone believes in karma, they're pretty much saying that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross of Calvary, he deserved to death because, after all, that's bad karma. That's karma. I disagree with that. Is the word I use for karma? It's a bunch of baloney. Okay, that's my word. Okay, it, 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 it totally against scripture. Okay, totally against scripture. And you may want to believe what goes around comes around, but you know what? <laughs> life is not fair. Karma, you know, also says, "Well, life's got to be fair." Okay, but well, Jesus, he bases everything on sacrifice. 
It doesn't matter what I'm going to get back from you. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to love you if, even if you don't love me back. I'm going to bless you even if you don't bless me back. That's God's ways. I'd rather look at God's ways. Last of all, number three, why is, why life, why is life isn't fair? Life isn't fair because God wants you to live by grace. Okay, and that's the last part of we either, the last part of this contrast is man's ways are based on works, God's ways are based on grace. You see, works is something that we try to do, and so it's such a popular belief in cults today. You've got to earn your way to heaven, but God says, no, no, it's all based on grace. Once again, I go back to that parable in Matthew 20. Well, master, landowner, I worked hard for this. Give me my reward. There's a lot of people when they get to heaven and they have to deal with Jesus Christ, the judge. And Jesus Christ says, did you know me as, as Lord and Savior? The Lord knows. He knows if you have a personal relationship with him or not. Well, if you don't have a relationship, if you've never developed your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, then he's going to say, I don't know who you are. You don't get to go to heaven. But Jesus, I worked for you. I went to church. I did those things. I... No, it's about grace. Maybe you don't get it. It's about grace. Why is life not fair? Because God wants you and I to know what it's like to live by grace. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians twelve nine: My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. My power works best in weakness. You know, sometimes we don't accept God's grace. We, once again, play the comparison game or think about the merit system or things based on works. You know, a number of years ago, my grandpa, on my dad's side, he lived practically his whole life, not serving God. And he was in his 70s. Two weeks before he passed away, someone went to his house and asked him if he was ready to give his heart to the Lord. My grandpa said yes. He gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Two weeks later, he passed away. Praise God for that. Now, wait a minute. Let's correlate that to this parable in Matthew 20 because, wait a minute, there's some of us who've been serving God for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Some of you have been serving God for 50 years. Praise God. And what is your reward for serving God for 50 years on this earth? Eternal life in heaven. What was my grandpa's reward for serving God for two weeks? Eternal life in heaven. What? The same reward? Yes. That's called grace. That's called grace. But God, the Father, my reward should be better because I served you for 50 years on earth. Welcome in. But don't play the comparison game. You're not going to win that. (laughs) Are, are, Are you getting the picture here, anybody, huh? But God, I worked hard for you for many years. Praise God that you worked hard. But we're all on a system of God's grace. Is there anybody can say praise the Lord for the grace of God? Praise the Lord for the grace of God. But life's not fair sometimes. Getting back to that passage here in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul says, my grace is all that you need. My power works best in weakness. You, you notice the way 
Paul correlates grace and God's power. God's grace, God's power. Life lesson based on this passage. When you choose God's grace, you also get God's power. That's what it says. My grace is all that you need. My power works best in weakness. You want the power of God? Receive the grace of God. That's what we need. It's not based on God, I'm going to do this and do that. Now, once again, don't get me wrong, please. We need to get busy doing things in the kingdom of God, but that's not our ticket to heaven. We need to receive the grace of God. Here's one more life lesson that correlated to what we're talking about here. No matter how many years you've wasted in life, it's not too late to begin serving in God's kingdom. Some of you have thought, well, I've wasted years of my life. Okay. It's never too late to jump in. It's 3 o'clock in the day of my life. It's not too late. You jump in. You start working in in the Lord's vineyard. You start working in the kingdom of God. You're going to get the same reward as those who've been working. You know, that's God's grace. No matter how many years you've wasted in life, it's not too late to begin serving in God's kingdom today. It's never too late to begin serving God today. I close by drawing one more correlation, and it's this. As we talk about this, why isn't life fair? Was it fair for an innocent man named Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Was it fair for him to be driven down the Via Dolorosa with a cross on his back? Was it fair to have, for him to have to have a crown of thorns on his head or nails in his hands and feet? No, it wasn't fair. Was it fair to crucify him on a cross and have a spear run through his side? No, it wasn't fair. Life isn't fair. If there's anyone who knows that, it's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But there was a purpose in it. Wasn't there a purpose in what Jesus went through? Yes. Life isn't fair. So should we have the attitude, I'm going to complain because Jesus didn't deserve this. Life isn't fair. Or should we say, thank you, Jesus, for going through all that. You didn't deserve it, but, Lord, there was a purpose in it. I have eternal life now. My friend, when life isn't fair to you, just remember, God has a purpose in it as well. There's a purpose in it as well. We may not always see it from the get-go, but God has a purpose in it for you. Would you stand with me? Oh, Jesus, would you speak to us even now? Would you speak to us even now, Lord? Oh, God. With your head bowed and eyes closed, I ask you the question even right now is, has something happened in your life and maybe you've been battling with this issue, this question, why isn't life fair? Can we look at things through God's eyes? Can we look at things from God's perspective? Oh, Lord, would you speak to us? First and foremost, I ask you, is Jesus Christ Lord of your life? This is a message of grace. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, 
no matter how many years of life you've wasted, today is your day to receive the grace of God and have an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. If that is you, would you just simply raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. My friend, that's the greatest decision we could ever make. There's others of you that have been dealing with some excruciating, painful experiences. Something has happened in your job, in your finances, in your relationship, in your health, in a friend, in a loved one. And you're wondering, God, why? Why, God? I don't get it. God wants to speak into your life today. He wants you to have more faith in Him than in the circumstances of life. That's what God wants. He's offering you this relationship. He's offering you, maybe you are a believer and you do know Jesus is your Savior, but you still have questions. I understand that. It's time to say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to go deeper with you. Thank you for listening to this audio podcast. Fortress Church is located in San Antonio, Texas, near Bandera and Prue Road. For more information, check us out at www.fortresschurch.org.